Uh, Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, Amen. I'm 42 years old now, and uh, throughout my 42 years, the Lord has continued to, to come to me in various ways through faith and through His grace. Uh, he has come and instilled faith in my heart, uh, starting with uh, July 6, 1980, when I was baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus, and then growing up, going through Sunday school, going through confirmation classes as I got older, going through youth group when I was in high school, heading to college, a Christian college, heading to a seminary, where I went into seminary thinking, by the time I get finished with seminary, I'll know the Bible. And I came out and graduated from the seminary knowing that uh, I know how to read the Bible, <laughs> but that uh, there's a whole lot in the Bible. It's a, it's a really big book that I'm still learning and growing in my faith about to this day. And recently, what, something that I've really recognized in myself, and maybe you can relate to this, is that when it comes to my faith, there are moments when I am particularly strong in my faith, at least I think I am, right? Where uh, I stand up for the things of the Bible, of God's teaching. I stand firm in the gospel. And there are other times, unfortunately, more times than I would like to admit, where my faith is not as strong as I wish it was. Times when, and it's often these sorts of times, times when I'm tired, not well rested, and I can easily slip into just unhealthy habits and routines, or when I'm not well fed, when I'm, what's the word do we use, uh, hangry, right? right? And so oftentimes it's in those moments that I'm not the husband that I am called to be by God's word. I'm not the father that I'm called to be. I'm not the pastor that I am called to be. And I'm wondering, what, what are those times maybe for you? If anyone has any thoughts. Any times where you recognize, who my faith is not as strong when I am, anyone? Brent, yeah. Frustrated, yeah. So maybe something uh, doesn't go according to your plans at home, at work, whatever, right? And, and you can uh, maybe act in ways that uh, you, you recognize when you compare yourself to God's word. Eh, that's not what Jesus would have me to do at this moment. Yeah, thank you for sharing that, Brent. Anyone else? Patricia? Another diagnosis. All right. 
If it's, yeah, that, that's the thing, you know. If you've been around our congregation, uh, we, we know we've been walking with our sister Patricia for years now as she's been walking through various illnesses and diagnosis and frustrations. And it's frustrating for her, frustrating for her husband. No, no, never, never, never frustrating for her husband. Yeah, okay. Well, my bad. I, this, that's the second mistake I made during this sermon, so uh, here we go. Um, frustrating for, uh, for I, I'm, I'm guessing, for her doctors, right? Like, why can't we just solve this thing? Frustrating for her pastor, as we've prayed for her multiple times. And it can be whew, faith-challenging. Why, Lord, haven't you healed her in this in this time, anyone else? All right, uh, Jennifer and Donalyn. Hmm. Times of loss, yeah. Times of uh, heartache, or yeah, disappointed, sad. Yeah, good, Donalyn. Yeah. Waiting. Right. That's uh, maybe the hardest. So what she said was uh, waiting or when things aren't moving as quickly as, as we had planned and hoped for. And yeah, why? Why, Lord? Why isn't this going faster? What, what, can, what can we do? And get frustrated with ourselves, get frustrated with other people. Yeah, good. I think that our text today and the book of 2 Timothy can help us a little bit as we think about the times where our faith in Christ is challenged. We are going through a series right now through 1 Timothy, which we just wrapped up last week, and now we're moving on to 2 Timothy. We're calling this series Equipped. And this series, uh, these are letters that the Apostle Paul wrote to his, his friend, his, his brother in Christ, his fellow pastor, Timothy. First Timothy uh, was written somewhere probably around, I don't know, 63 A.D., right? Now, Second Timothy, settings changed a little bit. At this point, a couple years later, 65 A.D., give or take, Paul is writing this letter, and Paul is writing this letter from prison. This is Paul's last letter. He is months, maybe weeks, from losing his head for the gospel. At least that's what church history tells us. And he's writing this letter to his beloved, Timothy, child in the faith. (laughs) And he's writing this to encourage him. Uh, Why is Paul in prison at this point? Well, uh, broadly speaking, we we know he's being persecuted for his testimony to Jesus Christ, for the gospel itself. At this time, the emperor of the Roman Empire is a man by the name of Nero. If you know 
history, church history much, you know that Nero was no friend of Christians, that Nero took Christians and had them burned at the stake. He blamed them for things that maybe likely he was at fault for. Uh, he, he saw them as scapegoats, just someone to cast the blame on. And as he was uh, doing this, Paul, being a leader of the Christian movement, well, he was at the top of the list for people that Nero, the emperor, wanted to get, to get rid of and to eliminate. And so this is a, a rough time for Christianity and for the church. Uh, the church is still very new. It's been 35 years since Jesus was crucified and resurrected. The church was still relatively small. The church certainly wasn't the majority of the Roman Empire. There was a couple hundred years until that happens. And the church is now being persecuted. So Paul writes this letter to Timothy, this very personal letter. He writes this letter to what he calls his beloved child. He writes it to him and references Timothy's tears at, point, at some points. Uh, was that when Paul maybe left Timothy the last? Or is that maybe something that, that Paul has heard of uh, through Timothy's challenges as he's pastoring the church in Ephesus? We don't know exactly the case, but we know that there's going on. Faith is being challenged. And Paul writes this letter of encouragement to his brother, to his child in the faith. And what he says here in verse 8, he says, Therefore, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. The culture that Timothy and Paul lived in was a uh, shame and honor culture, right? You're either in with the in crowd or not. And if you weren't with the right people, the amount of shame that could impact you and your family and your friends. It was heaped upon you. It was um, something that Timothy was certainly feeling at this point as he's good friends with a man who's in prison. In Roman culture, in this shame-based culture, people would have seen this regardless of the reason that Paul was in, pre in prison they would have seen, who I don't want to be around this guy. In fact, Paul even makes mention in this letter that, that people that he had thought were brothers in the faith had fled, had left him, that everyone had left him. The only person left with him at this point, he, as he puts it, is Luke. Luke's with him during his last hours, his last days. 
And so, not only this, but the culture seems to be turning against Christianity. And don't be ashamed. Do not be ashamed of the gospel. Do not be ashamed of Christ. Where are the places that we in life not only experience weakness in faith, but experience maybe shame? Where we recognize that we're ashamed of standing up for the truth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It could be maybe in school if standing up for the right thing to do isn't popular. And we get shamed. And we get bullied. Uh, maybe it's online bullying. Or maybe it's through social media, through text messages. We're ashamed. Or, or what if someone has uh, some dirt on us? And we're afraid that they're going to shame us, ruin our, our reputation by posting this on the internet for everyone to see. Posting that we stand up for the gospel. That we stand up for the, the ways of the Lord regarding life or sexuality or whatever the, the case may be. We can feel this at, at work. Maybe uh, our employer, and I know this is the, the case, and, and there's several of you here who might be uh, thinking, oh, he's talking about me right now. I can say, no, actually, I've just listened to your stories before and know that multiple people here feel pressure from the higher-ups at work. Be more productive. Get more done. Go faster. Work harder. Makes me think of when I was uh, growing, uh, growing up in high school playing football, and we used to wear uh, no fear shirts, right? Uh, anyone, 90s child, uh, familiar with no fear shirts? No. Uh, and, I, and I had one that said this rest when you're dead. No fear, right? You know, and you know, get, get back in the weight room, right? That sort of stuff. Keep working out. Uh, sometimes our our bosses, it seems like they can treat us like that. Want more productivity. And then in that context, we can be filled with fear and shame. I don't want to stick my neck out at this point because I know what happens to people like the Apostle Paul when they stick their neck out. Right? In the church. Sad but true. Even the church can adopt the view of the world in some things. Be more productive. Do more work. Go harder. And if you're not going fast enough, you should be ashamed of yourself. Right? Why isn't our Congregation bigger than it, than, it, than it is. What is the pastor doing wrong? What is the church doing wrong for that to be the case? And even, and I take comfort here in knowing that Paul 
is writing this letter as encouragement to a fellow pastor. (sighs) Because there's plenty of times when I know I should be the model of faith, the example, the one that's that's, uh, leading the charge by spending my, my mornings in Scripture, in prayer, as fervently and diligently as I ought to, and yet there are times the day comes and goes, and, oh, I didn't do my Scripture reading today. Or, I did my Scripture reading, but it was more of that uh, check, got it done, okay, now on to other stuff, right? Or whether it be, you know, family devotions and leading our family in mealtime prayer and devotions. Whew, there can be shame that comes with that. Shame that can be heavy. Yet Paul's encouragement to Timothy is do not be ashamed. But he goes on to say this, and this is, this is tough too. <laughs> he says, But share in suffering for the gospel. I don't like to suffer. <laughs> it doesn't feel good. I don't think the Apostle Paul is saying that we should uh, be, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Not, not sadist, but uh, masochist here. Enjoy pain, enjoy suffering. I don't think that's what he's uh, re- referring to here. And yet, when it comes to standing up for the things that we believe, the things that God's Word teaches us, or just being comfortable. Oh, middle-class America, aren't we really good at that? We love comfort. Oh, it's so hot in here. It's 73 degrees. Can you believe it? Let's crank up the AC a little bit more, right? Or, I've got a headache. Whew. Take some Tylenol. And then, you know, not bad things in and of themselves. But when our goal in life, the thing that we make God, is first and foremost, comfort. Here's here's comfort for me. It's, I like to be liked. I like to have people tell me uh, that I'm a nice guy. Uh, I like to be invited to things and hang out with others. I don't like to be rejected because I took a stand that's maybe unpopular. I don't like to suffer. What's suffering look for you look like for you at, at work, at at school, at home even? Paul doesn't just leave Timothy hanging. With this law, don't be ashamed and suck it up and suffer. But he reminds Timothy. He reminds Timothy of why, of of what is behind the gospel, what Timothy first believed in. He says in, in verse 10, 
he talks about Jesus. I'll back up just a, a titch. In verse 9 it says, He gave us um, a calling and purpose and grace through G- Christ Jesus before the ages, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus. Super churchy words, we might think, right? And kind of hear those and not be impacted by them too much. But I think if we impact them, it's, it's worthwhile uh, to see what Paul's doing here. The appearing of the Savior Christ Jesus. Appearing and Savior. Paul, who's in prison for the gospel, for standing up for Jesus, he is speaking directly into the Roman culture. He's challenging Nero and the thoughts about Roman emperors and Roman power and the Roman generals. When, a, when a, a general or an emperor would come into a city that they had just conquered through a military conquest, they would, they would appear in that place. And they would appear in such a way that they are saying, Hey, I'm here to save you, to be your Savior, and to set you free from the, the oppression of that last regime. Maybe true, maybe not. But when Jesus came into the world and made his appearing, we know this that he was coming straight into that culture, into that world. And by Paul referring to Jesus as Savior, he's implicitly saying something else. Nero is not. Nero is weak. Jesus is strong and the source of power and strength and love and prudence. Or discipline. Jesus is the one who has saved us from from sin and from death and from from the devil. It is Jesus, 2,000 years ago, who came into this world to set us free from those things. And it's the same Jesus who today comes to us through, through his word, through the sacraments that we just took a moment ago. It is those things... Through those things that Jesus uh, comes into our lives and in our world, and he says, I'm the king. I'm the savior. Even though it might not look like it. Even though your experiences at work, at school, wherever, they may not indicate that I am the savior, but, but trust me. Trust my cross. Trust my death and resurrection. It is through the cross, the thing that seemed the most shameful, the weakest, that Jesus then flips the world on its head and manifests or shows his power. When three days later he gets up from the grave and he conquers Sin, death, and the devil once and for all. 
Paul tells Timothy this. That faith, the, the faith that your grandma, Lois, and your mom, Eunice, that they instilled in you. He doesn't mention the dad. Usually if the men aren't mentioned in the Bible, uh, it's for the best. <laughs> there wasn't a whole lot of necessarily good things there. And yet, it's through these women that Timothy had faith instilled in his heart. And now, what's Paul encouraging him to do? To fan that faith. To fan the flame of faith. A few weeks ago, my kids and I and Eden, we went down to uh, Living History Days down in, in Denver. Uh, went on a Friday, and what Living History Days is, is a... Uh, Oh, it's a, a reenactment of, say, 18th century revolutionary wartime uh, history, right? And so there's a reenactment of, of Revolutionary War battle and, and all kinds of things. But one of the, some of the things that the kids got to be a part of was making this uh, candle and candle stand, right? So, of course, the candle, they were able to dunk this into uh, hot wax and... Make, it, make the candle here. They were able to cut this piece of wood off of a, off of a um, longer limb, and they used one of those old-fashioned like two-person saws. So Isaac's on one side and Asher's on the other side, and I'm helping Asher as they're sawing back and forth to, to cut this, this piece of wood out. They uh, drilled the hole, and so they uh, took the wood over to the next station and found the, the drill, and we're making the hole for the candle. And uh, they were able to brand it with a cross. Now, when we, we got to the branding station, the, the fire was, was stoked, and you can kind of envision what that metal branding rod would look like, right? And you put it into the fire, to get it nice and hot so that it could leave uh, this, this cross mark. In order to get the, the fire hot and to keep it hot, there was a large bellows, uh, billows that were um, used to stoke or to fan the flames, if you will. And there, the one that we saw was bigger than this one. It was uh, like industrial size, I guess. And, and the kids were able to go up to it and, and kind of pump it. And when, it did, when they did, you'd see the coals just start to glow brighter, fan into flame. And they... Um, Ironsmith, I guess, I don't know, uh, would, would put the, the branding iron into the fire and then, you know, stuck it on here. And so we had, have these uh, candles now. I think it's similar for us as Christians. You know, where, where was that faith kindled? Where was, it, where was that started, initiated? Could have been with your parents. Maybe your grandma and grandpa, or your grandma and mother, just like Timothy. Maybe you have someone in your life who has spoken into your life in such a way that you, you had the seeds of faith planted. 
Maybe it's coming to a church and hearing a pastor speak. Maybe it's your director of Christian education or youth group worker, church worker, whatever the case may be. Well, the, the faith is there. Ultimately, through the baptism that we received into the Lord Jesus, where God's grace and faith was established in our life. And now, the faith is here. And Paul encourages us to stoke the fire, to fan it into flame. Where are the places that you can think of that in your Christian walk that you can maybe fan into flame the gifts that the Lord has given you. We can do this and make these kind of commitments and, and plans. It doesn't have to be January 1st that we do that on, right? When we make a resolution, we can do that right now. In fact, Luther tells us every day of the Christian life is, is a day of, of repentance for us. Coming to church is a way that we can stoke that flame. Reading scriptures. I feel like I've said this before. Maybe you've heard this before. I hope this is uh, helpful. Reading scriptures and our personal devotions, our personal prayers. You know, what, what are the things that we can say no to in life? Maybe we're going to shut off screen time at a, a certain time at night so that these last few moments before we go to bed are devoted to fanning the flame. Maybe there's someone else, an Apostle Paul in your life, who can speak into our lives, our faith, and blow on the fire of the gospel. Community is so important for Christians. Whatever the case may be for you, my prayer is that we, as followers of Jesus, we don't allow those embers of faith that were given to us, instilled in us, and when we received our, our faith in Christ that first time, we don't allow those to go out, but we fan those into flame going to the places where God promises to give his gifts over and over and over again. May we do so to the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you his peace. Amen.